0: Welcome to Talkie Talks podcast with MediaBias.com. Today, it's just the two of us. Yeah. I'm joined, joined by TJ. Hello. And I'm Chris. And we're going to talk about what we watched, a little bit of news, and uh, what you should watch next weekend, our blind recommendations. Yes.
1: Do you want to go first? Sure. I didn't watch a ton. Um, and two of the three things I watched, I watched with you. Oh, yeah. I I watched uh, one half of Groundhouse. I've been meaning to watch, rewatch Groundhouse since I saw it the first time. One of the few opening like Thursday night midnight showings I've ever been to.
0: Um, I mean, it was such an experience that that, that just felt like the way to yeah, watch if, it. If ever there was a
1: th- like watching theater movie, yeah, it's probably it. But uh, I watched Planet Terror. Yeah, which is the Robert Rodriguez half. Uh, it's really fun. I mean, it was real dumb, yeah, and real fun. <laughs> It's, uh, really clever. It's funny. We're watching the, uh, fly for Talk of Fame homework, and it, like, has a lot of special effects makeup, are very reminiscent of, like, 80s horror yeah. sci-fi. I mean,
0: Robert Rodriguez was an 80s horror sci-fi right. guy.
1: So, <laughs> checks out. Yeah. Um, Josh Brolin is really fun as, like, the human villain. Also, like, Naveen Andrews in his prime when yeah. Lost was, like, the shit. Uh was good. Weird, like Bruce Willis role. Mm-hmm. Fergie, which I didn't remember, is in it. She plays, I forget the actress's name. I'm going to call her Wendy Peppercorn, which is a... <laughs> she played uh, Wendy Peppercorn in the baseball movie with James Earl Jones. With the I'm not I, can't yeah, I know, that's it why it, I was saying. It doesn't matter to you. Field of Dreams? No. The other baseball movie with James <laughs> Earl Jones. Man, people like boys my age everywhere are freaking out when the ones that like baseball movies, not you. Uh, the Sandlot. <laughs> okay. The Sandlot. She plays like a lifeguard who the boys are infatuated with. Okay. But she's the, the I guess, the lead, really. Maybe after Rose McGowan and uh, Freddie Rodriguez. Oh gosh, it's weird. Yeah. I don't know. It was just weird seeing all these people in the movie. I was like, ah, I forgot. I think all these people were in it. Like, I think I remember Naveen Andrews, and other than that. Right. I was kind of lost. But, I mean, there's not much of a plot. <clears throat> it's straight up grindhouse. Yeah. It's just... But it's super fun. It's on... <clears throat> Netflix right now? Yeah. Death Proof is too. they I've watched Death Proof twice. I had not seen Plant Terror in 12 years or however long. But man, it's so dumb and fun.
0: Yeah, that's oh, oh shit, we were talking about something recently uh, Kelly and I were and it's it's almost it's almost more of an achievement, more enjoyable when a movie knows exactly what it's trying to do and does that and doesn't have these aspirations. I think we were talking about... I forget what movie we were talking about. But then we just had a similar conversation outside. Because I was asking you, or you asked me, which 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 you liked better. And <clears throat> while Death Proof, I think, is a better movie. Like, a better experience to me was always Planet Terror. Because it's just like, it's schlocky, can't be horror, fun. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, there's there's no other movie where, like, a kid shooting himself in the head can get kind of a chuckle. Like, it's... Because it is, like, kind of
1: comedic. It's super dark, but... Right. Yeah, I mean, you get... When a movie's that bad, too, It's it's got to be fun for the director, because you don't have to worry about anything. Right. I mean, she shoves a machine gun on her leg, and it just works. <laughs> she can control it. And you're fine with that. As yeah. Watch, you're like, fucking game on, man. Yeah. Like, there's there's not
0: like a horde of fans being like, wait, but how does that work? That's right. It's stupid. It's like the whole movie's stupid. Right. So I bet it's,
1: I bet it's fun for a director. You know, maybe not Robert Rodriguez, because I bet he doesn't give a shit. Right. Every time he makes a movie. But, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I bet it's fun. I bet it's fun acting in those movies, too. Just being a part of them. Yeah. Watch a couple of horror films, though, both with you. Uh... Me and you and the girls on Halloween night watched 1976's Carrie. Yeah, I've seen it a few times. Have you seen it like in a full setting before? Uh, yes, but it's been a while. It's good, because I realized we were constantly ruining that movie if you hadn't seen it. Yeah, <laughs> it.
0: Um, I was. You guys weren't in the room. Like that was. I was just. I'm just so enraptured by that. Yeah. Like it's, it's. I I, I I struggle to think of a Brian De Palma film that I like better. Um it's just so good. Yeah. Like Uh, it's 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 timeless. Like that's that's so hard to pull off with like a classic horror movie. Like you see the cracks in the edges on Friday the thirteenth and nightmare on Elm Street, but there's no like visual shtick to carry. It's not I mean it's like the telekinesis doesn't I mean, how else you could it's so unnatural, like there's no effect. You just something moves across the screen, right? That is unguided by a hand or another like visible force, and it's it's the it's the ultimate like bullying story. So it is infinitely relatable, no matter when in time it's set.
1: Yeah, it's uh one thing that has always impressed me about Carrie is that it blurs the line between straight up like monster horror and psychological horror so well that. You're not really scared of the monster in the movie. Yeah. You're scared of the shit that's normal. Right. The bullies and the crazy, like, zealot mother. That's what's horrifying to me. The scene at the end was never that scary. It was no. cool. Yeah. But what's scary is, yeah, like her being shut in a closet with a horrifying little figurine of a saint. Saint Sebastian. Saint Sebastian. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. the mom's the, the villain to me in that movie. Yeah, I mean 100%. she
0: she makes Carrie the like the ticking time bomb that she is. Right, like it's it's the, the bullies are just a match, um, and yeah, it's 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 an interesting take because you are on Carrie's side the entire movie, and the only thing that you're worried about and like scared of is like oh what like these people are gonna pay, like. How how badly is she going to punish them for their transgressions against her? And it's pretty bad. It's it's every single fucking person <laughs> in the school, even the people who
1: had her side, aside from. Well, I mean, Sue gets it. Yeah, I guess just in a indirect way. Yeah, as a witness to the horror. Yeah. One thing I realized in this movie, and I've I've, I've thought about it before, and I'd forgotten, but. Uh, uh, the character of Chris, played by Nancy Allen, it's John Travolta's girlfriend, the yeah. beautiful high school girl. Uh, I forget how much she comes across as just, like, psychotic. Oh, yeah. She's a psychopath. Yeah. is that scene with her and John Travolta in the car is fucking terrifying, when she's, like, getting slapped, sucking on his fingers, sucking his dick. Yeah. Like, they're just wild. And then her, like, pure, like, elation when he's killing the pig yeah. is horrifying. Yeah. That character is super interesting. To me. She, yeah, well, she, way more interesting than John Travolta's character. He's just like an idiot. To, wants to put his dick in her. Yeah, that's his goal. Yeah, but she is she's she's the true psychopath. When she's
0: like when he's like trying to make a move on her in the car, and she's rejecting him and then cackling.
1: Yeah, like like every time she pushes him away. Ugh. Um, I know this is something that you don't talk about as much with me as Brent and David do, but who. Wins that movie for you? We always do our top threes. Like I think Sissy Spacek is probably a clear one. Yeah, she's a clear one. Um, but after that, I don't really know. I mean, Piper Laurie's oh, fucking horrifying as the yeah. mom, and she would honestly probably give Sissy Spacek a run for her money. I don't think she would take it over.
0: Um, I'm 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 probably torn then after them between the gym teacher and uh, the prom date. Uh, Tommy. Yeah. Because I like Tommy. I, I, I think that, that Tommy's kind of a... He's in that, like, trophy role where, like, he's not in on the prank. He's not in on the pig's blood, on the, like, doing mean shit to Carrie. Sue suggested to him, at, asking her to the dance. And he's like, why? She's like, because I can't go and because, you know, we should be nice to her. Right. And he's like, that's a good idea. And he just goes and just does it. And yeah. is a good guy. You know, they share a kiss and they dance. And I don't know. He's... He is charming, like he is. I don't know. I, I I was I was impressed upon rewatching it this time how much he is just a genuine good dude
1: versus what I remembered of him. Yeah, I think you. I think it's probably like a, what's the term you might know, like the Sinbad Genie movie. Oh uh, yeah, I don't know whatever the term. that term is. But I feel like people in Carrie just remember the end and assume that it's her versus the world, right? So you forget that those two characters are actually trying to be nice. Three, I guess, coming the teacher. Yeah. Um, and I don't think the movie works without that. Yeah.
0: Because why did she go to the dance? Right. Like, that's... That, that mechanic falls apart.
1: Well, two is so much hope built up. Right. And then just ruined. Yeah. Um, yeah, the guy who played Tommy, William Cat, he went on. You know, he had a... You know, not John Travolta or Sissy Spacek levels, but uh, he was the greatest American hero. This was a huge TV show in the 80s. He was the titular character. But yeah, it Carrie's five star film for me. Uh, it would be like an easy induct into the talk of fame one day. Oh I'm yeah. Sure. Um, I'm a big Stephen King fan too, so it's one of my favorite books. It's written really interesting with like newspaper articles looking back on the event, and you don't really know what it is until you see it happen. Yeah. Well, one more question before I move on to the next movie I watched. Do you? So in the end of the the, the death scene, yeah, Jim. When it goes all red, yeah, are we meant to believe that it's all the power's out in there and it's dark? Are we supposed? Are we seeing that through like night vision kind of, um, or is that just a is that just a red filter like to scare you more? Because I never really knew.
0: <clears throat> I think that you are kind of seeing it through the lens of Carrie. I think that's what it is. It is it is the blood washed viewpoint of her. I think the power is out and they do have the emergency lights on, but I think that's supposed to be the imagery there. Okay. Is that, you know, because you don't have it's like pure rage? Yeah, yeah. You don't have the, you know, the fire hose coming off the wall and the whatever that like mm-hmm. score display is like crashing into the gym teacher. Like all of that stuff is shown with the filter because it's all being like actively manipulated by Carrie. I think we're supposed to see that as you know her. That's it's all through her lens in the end. Right. Well, cool. We should just induct it now, since it doesn't matter. <laughs> and We're the only we ones here. One. <laughs> <laughs> and because I don't give a shit what they have to say about <laughs>
1: Carrie, it's a great movie. Uh, next film, staying in the horror vein, uh, and it's actually two movies that me and you both watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's original and it's second sequel. But we both watched Halloween and the Halloween? second Halloween Part Two. Yeah. How? Wait. <laughs> the second Halloween Part Two. The original movie had a sequel, so if you're not aware of what was going on with the most recent Halloween film, uh, the original was made, it was directed by John Carpenter. He didn't really have anything to do with the movies after that. I think he stayed on in like an advisory role for the second one, and he did the score for three. Three is the one that doesn't have Michael Myers in it. He wanted to do an uh, anthology. Right. That was like similar veins running through them, but not a Michael Myers
0: yeah, story like like American Horror Story. They're yes. all called Halloween 1, 2,
1: and 3. It's just they're different subjects, but they all happen around Halloween. Right. So the third one is about like a maniacal man who runs a mask company, and when you wear those masks, you turn mean, which is a throwback to the original Halloween. Uh, Carpenter, that movie bombed. They were like, we got to go back to the original Michael Myers just haunting kids, and Carpenter wanted none of that. Right. <clears throat> so this is the newest Halloween. is a movie that's kind of Giving him what he wanted, making that second sequel not, you know, making more about the man and not about the, the brother sister thing, which isn't in the first movie, right? Um, the first movie, real quick. I won't spend too much time on it. It's amazing. Yeah, great horror movie, great monster movie, another timeless classic horror movie. Yeah, great scenes. I mean, laugh laughable parts like any seventies slasher movie with a final girl in it you're gonna have but uh horrifying scenes some of them just incredible I mean I think the would you say the closet scene is like the most infamous maybe Mm -hmm. it's uh really good I saw it in the theater a couple years ago really fun watching the theater when you're not like able to read on your phone and lights are off and everybody's watching with you um but they made a direct sequel to that that came out this year that takes place in 2018 40 years later um what'd you think? I thought it was great um
0: there's some stuff that if I were playing film uh, armchair film editor, that I would leave on the cutting room floor. Um, the intro is a little prolonged, in my opinion, and they they lose some of the uh, they lose some of the electricity of here is the shape and here is his prey by shifting focus so many times in the intro. And like right. the opening, I guess half hour, um, so that's that's my that's my my knock against it. But
1: other than that, I think it is a great faithful sequel. I think they had good intentions with the podcast couple. Yeah. I think that's a neat way to explain the film in the last forty years to an audience that probably never saw the original or saw it once. Twenty years ago, yeah, and get them caught up to speed, and that's so huge right now. That like podcast true crime thing, right? Um, but I thought that was a good idea. I, I think they missed a little bit with that, yeah, and that dragging into the Judy Greer house, that drug, yeah. Like I got tired of them. The podcasting for me also,
0: it just didn't, it, it didn't, it hurt their case that they were unlikable. They were unlikable. Like, the guy is obviously... He's scratching at the door of fame. And thinks that, like... That whole, like, this is going to be our big break... Kind of attitude. And... I don't know. It, it... It it made their deaths... Although some of the most brutal. Because Michael Myers... Oh, we're spoiling this, by the way. Because Michael yeah. Myers, like... Beats their heads into the bathroom wall. Yeah. Like... <laughs> and leaves the, the dude a, like, sputtering heap of just, like, meat. Yeah. Like, it's, it's super gross, but you kind of, it, it happens, you're like, okay. Like, I guess Halloween's gonna start soon.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we cheated because we watched the movie with Cassandra. Yeah. But, uh, who knows everything about, like, costume and design for films you could ever want to know. But she was super annoyed. She was like, why does he have on, like, a $600 jacket? Why is she wearing those boots? Yeah. like this is really and, I, and and while we didn't see that detail I think we kind of saw that like oh these people suck yeah they're annoying ass people yeah I mean they're, they're the, at the insane asylum in the opening scene pre-credits they're trying to go them yeah into doing something crazy yeah and they
0: yeah and he's I think and this is this is gonna sound really stupid but I think it would have helped if they were American because to me I had this disconnect where I was like well, they clearly have money. They're able to travel to go hunt this story down. They're being funded by something or someone, or they're self-funded.
1: So I kind of don't give a shit about them. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. That, rather right or wrong, in cinema, British people just... They, they cast Brits to play the uppity characters a Yeah, lot.
0: yeah and it has that effect on American audiences. Right. That's, that's why like every, every douchebag in a Disney movie is the British guy. Yeah, like nothing against like Brits. Yeah, obviously it's yeah not something we sh- we share, but it does happen, and and that's why I kind of market it against it because I th- I think it is intentional that they are, you know, f- they they've got this access to be able to go stand in front of this notorious killer in like the super max insane asylum, and they that they're they they cannon fodder. Uh, yeah, and if you do want to kill them there, you, yeah. need, you can't make them likable. Yeah, well, I mean, like lots of likable characters die. I mean, the 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 granddaughter's uh, friend in the, the, the devil costume. I guess he feels, but but you, but they make you hate him right before he dies. Right,
1: he gets handsy.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's the thing is 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 they kind of. I mean, it's it's the bent of it's, it's the 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 social majority angle that horror movies kind of took in the seventies, like. You didn't die if you were chaste and, chased and sober. You died if you were, you know, fucking a girl when you were 16 or drinking or doing drugs. So, you know, they they kill people who have <clears throat> these character flaws. Normally, the character flaws are what kills them. Draws right. them towards the, you know, the Michael Myers or sure. Freddy or Jason or whatever. Yeah, they're having sex, so they're not paying attention or right. whatever. And, you know, even, even going off track completely and like with nightmare on Elm street, it's all people related to those who burned the building down that Freddie was in. And then when he kills them in their dreams, it's normally some kind of like, it's a lustful dream or it's them like sleeping in class and Freddie kills him in the dream. Like, so then for this movie to make it to, to do the same, you know, <clears throat> I'm not surprised, but man, there was nothing redeeming about those podcasters except you know
1: p- people should generally live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, d- d- I'm against Both diner. Dying bathrooms. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, moving on, and like Chris said, full spoilers here. We timestamp it, but I thought the last 45 minutes was pretty brilliant. Yeah, the fantastic. Film. Um, story aside, there were some definite parts of the story where there were characters that didn't need to be in the movie. The, the new Loomis, which they refer to him as, you've always pointed out. Yeah. Just, they're throwing that in your face. Yeah, Lori Strode says, oh, so you're the new Loomis. Yeah. <laughs> which is great. But uh, I had a really fun thing. You know, it's just, you can see this from the trailers, that she set up this like kind of trap house. Um, well, I guess I wouldn't call it that. But, you know, a fortress. Right. She's learned to defend herself.
0: Yeah. She's, she's, she's
1: a recluse. Yeah. She has like a perimeter fence and like big spotlights. Yeah. And- uh, ready for Michael to come back at any minute. Right. Uh, and you see that at the beginning and then you kind of get an in-depth look at that and you're like, oh, maybe it's not as cool and badass as I thought it was. It's just a lady with some guns and some lights and a fence. Right. But then at the end, when Michael finally gets in and she, the coolest part of the movie to me is she's doing that thing that everybody says you should do in horror movies where are like, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do this? This would have been more efficient. And she's, Straight up sniper like seal team style clearing rooms. Yeah. And it's so funny to me.
0: Yeah. It was great. I was sitting next to the world's greatest comedian um, who was shouting out <laughs> only the funniest lines um, and in the theater and he he was all movie being like, why would you go in there? Like, why would you do that? And at the, that point in the movie, he stopped talking because <laughs> Laurie Strode acts like everybody should Thinks in an ideal would. situation. Yeah. Right. Right. Except when horror... In, in horror movies, when people are writing, they don't write like everyone is this, has had time to prepare, and can act calm under pressure. Like, they act the way that with the two instincts, fight or flight, and they're not using
1: judgment. Right.
0: But, Lori has had so much time to plan and prepare. She's been traumatized, and she's not willing to go there again. She's trained Judy Greer's character, her daughter and like gotten her like on level with her that like it's going to happen any moment now he could come back you always need to be ready. So then in the climax of the film they're fucking ready. Yeah. Like it's it's really cool and I'm 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 always a fan of a good revenge story and the movie doesn't seem like it is one. The whole Strode family plays prey for the entirety until they finally have their opportunity
1: to strike back. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was done, it was done really well, because generally, I feel like if you write movies that way, and write characters out to do, like, the most efficient, best thing at any time, movies would just suck. Yeah, it's not a good movie. And this one doesn't, it was the coolest part of the movie. Yeah. Which is, that gives it an extra, you know, half star star, uh, for me. Yeah. That was something I I hadn't seen done, I guess. Yeah. Um, last thing I was really impressed by was the score, uh. And obviously not just the score that they carried it from the 1978, you know, the iconic Carpenter written score. But uh, the new scores are good. I'm sure it's called like Amy Steam or whatever, but the music playing when she's by herself running down the street after her buddy dies. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, We've talked before about horror movie scores and how they might be harder or easier. That one got published, I'm pretty sure. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That one was not lost to the ether. But uh, anything else stand out? Do you about well, the new Halloween? I was just really upset that uh, that
0: that uh, uh, Toby Huss, who you may not recognize the name, but he is Artie, the strongest man in the world from Adventures of Pete and Pete. Nice. He plays the dad, and he is he's like the oh
1: shit yeah that actor is Artie
0: yeah damn he, he plays the uh, the comedic role really well like it's crazy the the opening scene with him. And then he goes like, "Oh, I got peanut butter on my penis." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's just uh, uh, he's he's a fun actor. I like him.
1: Man, I've seen that actor in a bunch of like shitty comedies. I've never tied that together. Yeah, he looks so different now than yeah. Well, because huh.
0: also the strongest man in the world always has his face contorted. Like and and he's, he's got the s- hair. Yeah. Now I mean, the huge horn rim be- glasses. Yeah. Sorry to talk about a television show that you can't find anywhere. That was online. I would buy that shit in a fucking heartbeat, dude. I w- I mean, I would. It was way ahead of its time. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you think about the pedigree of the actors in that, and like they just they were so. They were, uh, speaking of Halloween, uh, older Pete was in the was in the uh, the video game Halloween movie. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Danny Tamborelli is like a big producer. Yeah, and think... Polaris, the band who did the theme song, yeah. wrote Hedwig and the Angry Inch.
1: Whoa, yeah. <laughs> Pete and Pete, man, yeah, ahead of its time, ahead of its time. And then Toby Huss. Is anybody is... the if anybody out, if anybody out there has Pete and Pete on like VHS, you should destroy it. But send it to us, <laughs> and we'll destroy it for you. <laughs> We won't, we won't watch it, I promise. Why do you
0: just want to destroy it? I oh, no! I feel
1: like I don't want to get like, sued.
0: Oh. <laughs> hey, uh, Nickelodeon, if you guys have a, a Blu-ray of all of Pete and Pete, we want it. Well, cool. Did you watch anything
1: else? Uh, I've started. I don't want to talk about it because I'll finish it. It's a BBC series. Okay. So there's only six episodes. but Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I started Bodyguard. Bodyguard. Uh, it's a BBC series that's now Netflix for um, distribution, and uh, it's really good. It's got... I didn't have it pulled up, and I can't remember the guy's name. Who played Rob Stark? Do you know his name? I don't. Uh, Richard Madden. Okay. Uh, but he's Rob Stark from Game of Thrones. He's uh, really good. One of the best first episodes of a TV show I've ever seen. It, it's come highly recommended to me from other people, too. Super intense. Uh, and A quick rundown of the plot. to if It's something that tickle your fancy. Um, he's a cop like a high end cop who's a Afghan veteran and last he, day uh, on the job gets pulled back no he's on a train with his kids and foils a uh, train bomb okay. a terrorist plot Um, as an off duty cop and gets promoted to pretty much being like the A1 bodyguard for the home secretary which is the secretary of state yeah. or secretary of defense essentially in the UK um, and she's like, the public opinion is against her, right? She is Trump. Yeah. She is like super right wing, uh, crazy. So it's him kind of like, she's super attractive older lady. So mm-hmm. it's like kind of falling in love with her, kind of disagreeing with her on everything. And number one, just like doing his job when people are trying to assassinate this target. Yeah. Um, super fun though. Really intense. It's uh, six hour long episodes. I think the episode six is like an hour and a half. Cool. So, check it out. I'll talk about it when I finish it. Sweet. What about you, buddy? Uh, so, in addition to Halloween and Carrie, watch uh, watched another horror
0: movie. Um, this was the movie I was trying to think of earlier when we talked about a movie that is knows exactly what it is. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> on Halloween, uh, Kelly and I watched Jennifer's Body. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, we, I didn't really give Kelly any choice in the matter. I just kind of put <laughs> it on. But yeah, I, Jennifer's body is Megan Fox, um, Chloe Seventy, no, Amanda Seyfried, who I always call Chloe Seventy. Cause yes. I'm just like, who are the two young, blonde, pretty actresses who have hard to say last names? And we're in big love together. Yeah. Yeah. Um... <laughs> But yeah, it's fun. It's stupid. It's got the actor who played young Neil from Scott Pilgrim in it. Um, yeah, Who's I just, he in, the, in Jennifer's Body? He plays uh, Safe Reads' boyfriend. Oh,
1: right. Yeah. Shit. Um, and Adam Brody in the middle of the Brody-sons. Yeah. Adam Brody. It's
0: got, it's got J.K. Simmons in it. Uh, he yeah. plays the principal. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a fun, stupid horror movie. You know
1: it's got a fun ending I always Yeah, do.
0: written by Diablo Cody
1: who was also like blown up
0: yeah her fingerprints are all over this movie yeah um, but yeah check it out it's fun watch it on Halloween next year it uh, is
1: fun and I, I do think the ending the like fun. found footage ending is fun yeah it's a good ending for that kind of horror movie um,
0: other than that I, I filled a hole in my in my Marvel uh, pegs peg board. I don't know what I'm trying to say <laughs> but I played peg games <laughs> I finally got around to watching Ant-Man and the Wasp
1: yeah I haven't seen that one yet
0: it's pretty good it's not as good as Ant-Man which is kind of telling because Ant-Man's not as good as I think probably the, the bulk and the reason why it's not as good as the original Ant-Man was because they don't have as much of the best part of the original Ant-Man Uh, Which is all of the Michael Pena saying like, hey, so I was told by a guy who knows Guy that we do this thing and like goes on these stories. The hotline of the film. So they don't have this Stephen Wright, not Stephen Wright, uh, Edgar Wright influence in this one. Because he was never attached at all to this project. But other than that, it's, it's it's a fun little superhero story. Uh, the, the bad guy is not really a bad guy, which is always fun. It's more of a gray area. Um, nice. Like more so than like Thanos even. Oh, way more. Than, yeah. Okay. You know, I think Thanos is like a, like an ideological. Right. Yeah. Thanos is like a lawful evil. Right. Um, this is just like, it's chaotic neutral. Okay. And that's always, I mean, it's, it's a Marvel movie.
1: I don't, I don't dislike Evangeline Lily. But, I do think she was one of the worst parts of Ant-Man. <laughs> so, with Ant-Man and Wascate, I was like, no. They <laughs> took the worst part and put her in the title. <laughs> That's not going to go well. Um, yeah. I thought Douglas was great in the first one.
0: Yeah, and he's really good in this one. Yeah. He, he and Scott Lang, uh, Hank Pym and Scott Lang, have a very love-hate relationship that is mostly um, in the corner of hate. Yeah, it's fun. Um, because this takes place right before Infinity War.
1: Okay. Um... So, no one's been dusted yet. Okay. Um, That's good, because <clears throat> I was wondering if he was part of the dusting, so I guess we still don't know. So, it sh-
0: it, it explains why he wasn't there. Okay. In, in the mid-credits, kind of the the, the typical Marvel shit, instead yeah. of, you know, explaining it to us like we're, like, people. They had, had to show us like we're children. Um, <laughs> you are. <laughs> but they, they kind of show, and I don't, I mean... You've had your chance to see Infinity War, and if you haven't, it's been spoiled on the internet a million times with memes. And on our podcast. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, so at the end it shows, um, it's Hope Van Dyne, Hank Pym, and another character get dusted while Scott Lang is in, uh, the, the Quantum Realm. Oh. So he's, like, stuck in the Quantum Realm, basically, for the events of Infinity War. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Cool. But yeah. And it's it's got a very obvious, ominous, like, Ant-Man and Wasp will return, question mark, at the end. They will. Yeah. (laughs) Because they're trying not to, like, spoil who comes back and who doesn't for the second part of the Infinity War series. Right. Um, But it's good. Three and a half stars. Okay. Standard Marvel. It ranks in the bottom third, probably, of the Marvel movies. Right. Um It is, there is not the, another, I mean the Hope Van Dyne, the, the wasp fighting scene in the kitchen that kind of gets ruined in the trailers yeah. is I think the coolest fight scene. And then, so it doesn't have a, uh, um, the like kids train set fight scene that the first movie had that was like really fun use of the shrinking. So Edgar Yeah. Um, but yeah, see it just because it's a Marvel movie. It's fun. Yep, I will. Um, other than that, uh, I kind of went to the theater on Friday. We saw Bohra Bohemian Rhapsody. Yep, we saw Bohemian Rhapsody with Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury, and it is a lot of fun. It is not really a movie, <laughs> um, <laughs> in that there's no plot, and it, it from the standpoint of a biopic, it is. Rose-colored glasses times a million. Um, it is nothing but flattery for the band Queen and for Freddie Mercury. And it doesn't even portray like Roger Deacons or Brian May in a negative light. It's just they were all right at all times. They just had disagreements. You know, Freddie Mercury was living a lifestyle that the other guys didn't want to live at the time. And that's the conflict. And that's it. All right. And then you get a bunch of good music. Yeah, and you get a bunch of really cheesy explanations as to how they wrote their songs. It is clear that they were consulted and they didn't use a third-party-like biography of Freddie Mercury as a source material. Um, <clears throat> in fact, I remember May and Deacons were very vocal about being involved in this project or they wouldn't sign off on it. Oh, yeah. Um, so they, they kind of keep the mystique about Queen alive. it's it's The movie's written like a fucking fairy tale. Like how was uh, Malik? Amazing. Yeah, he's really good. Um, the 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 prosthetic teeth look super corny, but then at the end it shows like young Freddie Mercury and his big old buck teeth. Oh, uh, really? And it's like dead on. Nice. Um, but yeah, they don't they don't really go too much into his like troubled past. They have a bit about he and his father's kind of. A strange relationship because they're, you know, first-generation Brits. Yeah. Who moved over from, uh, you know, the Indian subcontinent. Um, Zoroastrian. I didn't know that. I didn't know
1: they came from down south.
0: Yeah. His real name is Farouk. Um, So that's, like, that's that's some of, like, the background, uh, like, strife. Other than that, it's, you know, there's a line in the movie, and I talked about this with some random woman at the wedding I went to (laughs) last night. There's this line in the movie where Freddie Mercury says to his band, I don't want to be their poster child. I don't want to be, like, the face of someone with AIDS, and I don't want that to be my life. And the movie kind of does that. They don't really, I mean, that he has AIDS is a part of it obviously if you're telling a story about his life, it's how it ends but it doesn't like but no it on it. no there is, there is almost no focus on it nice. Um, well good I guess. yeah except I mean there's a little nod that that he was cherished by the um, by the gay community and by the AIDS community. Um, there's there's kind of a, a call out to that um, after he gets tested. Which is which is nice um, right. that you know he wasn't a symbol for the wrong reasons. He was right. out there being big and showy and proud and right. you know, not like a corporate sponsor, basically. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's the movie jumps around from scene to scene with no real explanation except that we as human beings have an understanding of the passage of time um, and can get that. That movies can edit it so that things happen sequentially. <laughs> right? Uh, he's really good in it. That's 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 really what I can walk away from saying. I enjoyed the shit out of it, but it's not a movie. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if if you had to retell the story of your life only including the good parts, that's what this would be. Okay. Well, cool. Yeah. Um, Other than that, and I'll just do this real quick. I watched season two of Making a Murderer. I haven't caught any of it yet. Watch all of it. If you're wondering how they can do the same topic and not kind of regurgitate the same issues, uh, it is a really clever uh, change, uh, like, shift in focus. Okay. Um, And where Making a Murderer season one, like, episode one was about, like, Stephen Avery and the first crime, and episode two was about, like, Brendan Dassey, and the relationships, the Averys, and each episode had a subject until the last three when it was about the sequential trial. Mm -hmm. Um, This is 100% told chronologically. From the... It basically picks up from the release of Making a Murderer Season 1 and all the press around it and all of, like, the new facts in blah, blah, blah. So, did you start American Bandless Season 2?
1: I finished it, yeah. Okay.
0: So... I think American Vandal Season 2 came out before they were ready. I think it was supposed to come out after Making a Murderer because, you know, the first episode of American Vandal Season 2? Yeah. Exactly the same <laughs> as the first episode of That's great. Making a Murderer Season 2. That's funny. So they talk about the impact of the documentary and how, like, new facts, <clears throat> and then from there kind of goes through with, uh, Stephen Avery's new attorney and with the, uh, Northwestern Justice, uh, like, Center for Justice, uh, representing Brendan Dassey and, like, all of their, um... You know their hike from appealing the trial court decision all the way through to like you know like the federal circuit court. Right. So it's it's really good. It's really interesting. Yeah, Um, we'll definitely
1: watch it. I mean, obviously, but
0: I think they do. I think they do a better job not taking as soft a look as soft of a look at um, Avery. Um, I know that that's a criticism of the first season. Yeah. they're kind of Stephen Avery agnostic. They don't, they don't make you judge that anymore. It's not about, did he do it or did he not do it? It's about, will these attorneys be successful in acquitting these two people? Right. So, if you're, if you're interested in like trial procedure, it's, it's, it, they break it down in a very digestible way. I mean, it's professors at Northwestern who are uh, <coughs> representing Dassey's case. Um, and in fact, the woman, Nyrider, who is an amazing attorney, it seems... Um, she got Brendan Dassey's case the first day in law school at Northwestern, and ten years later is still representing him and is a professor at Northwestern. Oh wow! Yeah, cool. Yep. So watch it. I mean, it's it's good. There's a reason why. Yeah, everyone was talking about it in
1: 2015. Right. Well, Chris, you got any? Oh no, we're skipping a segment. Oh yeah, reality roundup. That's right. We were
0: told one thing by by the uh, absent breezy.
1: Uh, yeah, so I don't know. We got maybe nine or ten minutes we can spend on Survivor so far. We haven't really talked about this season much. No, I think this cast is great. I think it's phenomenal. Like, I'm having a great time watching Survivor this year. Yes, there are people going home pre-merge, and I'm invested. Yeah, and that's never happened with me in Survivor before. Yeah.
0: Mike White really summarized the, the position of the game right now uh, superbly. When they're at Tribal and Jeff Probst goes, so Mike, like, what's the conflict? And he's like, this is the most important vote that will shape the game for the rest of the season. Yeah. And he was in a position where he could decide who had the majority after the merge. Yeah. And...
1: Yeah, because Nick was going with Mike. Right. Nick, whatever Mike said Nick was doing.
0: Nick is playing the faithful partner. He's he's really good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and it's it's
0: going to be interesting when they merge and his three other partners or his two other partners show up <clears throat> in his two little alliances because he has like the Mason Dixon line. Yeah. And then he's got uh the rock stars and he's got some something with someone else too. Yeah. from the from the Davids. Yeah. And so he's going to be at the center of this web that he spun, and it'll be it'll
1: be interesting to watch. Yeah, my thing, like, so my too early prediction was um, Elizabeth. Yeah, she's the weakest, I think, by far. That's going to be in the merge. But after that, it's anybody's game. I mean, I would I would put I might put Christian a little higher because I think he is stupidly even not stupidly, but like not consciously. Playing an amazing social game, yeah, and he's also really good at his what he needs to do in challenges. I think.
0: I, I think he's playing such a good social game because he's always played a social game in his life. He's just trying to be nice and friendly. Well, yeah, I, I think that he's just so awkward and like you know, like unthreatening. Well, no, Lamb based me for for the for the you know suggestion, but probably on the spectrum. And so he has always had to put on a, okay, now I need to be social in his everyday life. So doing it on the island is just like, it's not a game to him. Yeah. It's just, he's trying to make, he said it. He's like, I'm just trying to make life enjoyable (laughs) and to get along with people. Like, why would I not want to get along with people? He's my favorite and probably the fan favorite I would say right now. Oh, dude. He also underestimates himself physically. Oh yeah. Like, and I think that everyone else does too, because he's awkward and nerdy and like, he's not
1: like... He's they not crush strong, that challenge especially. But he's coordinated,
0: right? And that is the major, like that's the majority of survivor challenges is coordination, like balance, like endurance. Yeah, you can do that and not be Johnny
1: Mundo, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're you have far better hand-eye coordination than I do. I played <laughs> a lot more sports than you did, but like, I can't work two joysticks with two thumbs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure that, I'm, I'm sure that plays a. <laughs> Uh, but yes, I don't really know. You know, I mean, I would say the the next two that I would pick to not win would be Mayor Slamtown and Mike White just because of their status. Yeah, but yeah, they're I playing just as well as anybody else. I don't. I don't see Mike White making the final three, and someone like. Like, someone is going to go, he doesn't need the
0: money. He's a big Hollywood screenwriter. They've both
1: made the merge, which I think is probably their goal. They want to be able to, like, have control over who wins their season. I totally stole that idea from Brent, but it makes perfect okay. sense. Um, but when when celebrities, I've just never thought about that before. Brent said something a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. If you're an actor or millionaire or whatever, a recognizable face, and you're a super fan, you just want to go in there and, like, have say.
0: You want to be, be the game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's shaping up to be a great season, though. When we're to the merge, there's one person, sadly, my prediction early to win, who I would pretty much say won't win. Really? But I, Elizabeth. Oh, uh, yeah. Mine, too. Gabby. Uh, yeah. Gabby's, I don't know. Gabby can turn a corner still. She needs confidence. Uh, video game term, meat shield. Yeah. So I think Christian's kind of doing that with Gabby, and he doesn't even know it. Yeah, I think he's like she'll go home before I do. I don't really have to worry until she's gone. But
0: he can he can he know she's she's the canary in the coal mine for him,
1: right? If they start eliminating, they're going to go her before me, right? And then I can be like, I need to change what I'm doing, right? It's kind uh, of really,
0: It is, but you said it's not intentional from him, right? I I still believe <laughs> that he's falling in love with her, <laughs> like falling in true love with her. Those, like, tender moments, like, on the beach. And I am sure that everyone on the cast has those really tender sure. heart-to-hearts. Sure. But, you know, she's just such a crier and he's just such a natural comforter because I think that he doesn't, he doesn't... He doesn't want anyone to be upset. Period. Right. And so, whatever he can do to ameliorate that is a plus. And then that that's why I think he's unintentionally playing the game. Playing the social game. Right. It's because he is... <clears throat> He has just unintentionally uh, always played it, right? But yeah, I don't think that uh, the, the Gabs has got legs. Um, big question for for you, and I think for the, the last episode, do you think that the tribe that was Natalie, Mike, and um, the attorney Nick? Do you think that they, that they made that vote because they are going to stay three strong going into the merge? Or do you think that Natalie played them?
1: Uh, I think they're going to stay three strong. Really? Yeah.
0: Okay. For now. Yeah, for now. Right. I mean, everything changes. I, I, think they, I think they are only in the sense that Natalie is going to go to her Goliaths and say, I've got a block for you. And same way Nick is going to go to his Davids, his, not Nick, um, who's the, the guy? Kurt. Kurt is going to go to his, his like to Goli- to David's and say, "I've got a voting block for you." You know, I helped shift this.
1: Not th- Kurt. Who are you talking about?
0: The guy with with the uh, with the shitty hair, the curly hair, who made the first move against his own. Alec. Alec. I think that Alec is going to go to the to the David's and be like, "I'm your agent." You know, I orchestrated that. I made that happen.
1: He's got a good argument there, too. He's got a great argument. But yeah. the
0: same way that Natalie's got a great argument. Good like, arguments don't mean dick. I'll right. Say.
1: Right. You can be right and it doesn't matter if you're going home. Yeah. Uh, I am just looking at Gold Derby's odds right now to win. And uh, Dan, obviously, is number one. He's holding two idols. Right. He's the easiest to make it to the final three. But they've got Gabby next. And then it's kind of a hodgepodge. Um, I think Gabby's got great odds to make final three. That's mm-hmm. probably why she's so high, too. It's like picking Georgia to win the SEC Championship because they've got an easier path to the game. Right. The pick picking Auburn, Bama, or LSU, right? Um, even <laughs> yeah. though one of the three of them is going to win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's fun. Survivor. What about
0: things oh, the streets? You got anything?
1: D- I do have to mention yeah, Survivor. Brent, Brent, oh yeah, what Brent told us we had to
0: shut out. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they're they're going to make something of the fact that when Dan was hunting for idols, it showed Christian through the tree line looking at him. Yeah. Uh... Do you think that Christian is going to identify
1: Dan as a threat before that's ripe on the vine? A couple of things on that. I think that we are going to see, for the first time in a few years, somebody go home with an idol in their pocket. We haven't seen that in a couple of years. you think Dan's just going to be oblivious to it? I don't understand how people know everybody, all the time.
0: Everybody knows he has idols. Yeah. Well, we know because someone went looking through his shit.
1: Right. <laughs> like, no, I'm saying I don't know how people uh, know on Survivor for the past five seasons... When to play their idols correctly because oh, right. they always fucking do it. I mean, Wendell, yeah. Like, Wendell I, and Dom last year was incredible. Wendell didn't ever play his, he didn't have to. All oh, right. He played it for, yeah. I uh, can't remember her name now. But, yeah. Also, when you find an idol on Survivor, generally, I would say, like, wait three days before you tell anybody you fucking have it. Yeah. Let and, the excitement die down. And I think Christian is probably going to know Dan has an idol. And that is just as good as having one, in my opinion. Knowing Knowing someone has one. Yeah. And in in the same way you find an idol, don't tell anybody for three days, I think Christian's probably just going to be like, sit on that. It's just, it's an idol I have in my back pocket. It's something I have that nobody else has. Yeah. And whenever you can say that in Survivor, it's great.
0: Yeah. Especially someone with, someone with the physicality of Dan with idols. Like, right. He's, he's, he's obviously a favorite, but that's, that's, if he plays them right. And with Christian having
1: that knowledge is the perfect opportunity for Dan to get the rug swept
0: out from underneath Sure. And
1: you don't want to go tell somebody because we're just now with the merge. I mean, there's no way to know what how many alliances you're going to have week to week moving forward. Right. So, mm-hmm. you don't want to tell somebody who's going to end up working with Dan. And now your information is useless. Right. So, just wait. And then, if you're trying to vote out Dan and his girlfriend, Kara. Kara. Yeah. Um, you know that you might have to split the votes. You know what I mean? Or yeah. you, you can know how to work that. But save it till you need it. There ain't no reason to go telling people shit. Yeah. I think Kirsten's probably smart enough to realize that.
0: Yeah. But cool. This is a great season of Survivor.
1: I'm enjoying it a lot. It's so fun. Yeah. yeah. The David and Goliath plot is secondary. Well, I mean, they said it in the like next week's Survivor where Alec yeah. was like, the David and Goliath shit is over.
0: Yeah. Like, and Jeff Jeff asked the question at Tribal. He's like, "Is it, is it still David's versus Glass?" And they're like,
1: "No." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're super fans. They know what they're doing. Yeah, they knew that was just a dumb little thing to get them to twelve people. Yeah. So, what were you asking me before? Breezy on the streets.
0: <laughs> so I've I've got a couple. Um, the first, the big one, the one that you know, our our. Bastard Stepchild that we never talk about. Um, There was a huge video game release. um, So big that it is the uh, number one entertainment release weekend in dollars earned. Oh, wow. Red Dead Redemption 2 came out on Friday, last Friday.
1: Amazing reviews.
0: Yeah. To, like, blisteringly high reviews. And I think it was $789 million in the Friday, Saturday, Sunday of its release. Um, it is not the number one entertainment release. Um, there is something that has been released that, uh, had a bigger, um, f- like, first week. Uh, and it was, uh, also Rockstar Games, GTA Five. Oh, nice. So. <laughs> yep, that's burning up the charts. Um, can't go without mentioning it. Um.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think it's probably more of a, like, Brent game than a U-game, just because of the detail. That's why it's so good. Yeah. I know you don't really... You appreciate it, but it's not your. I stick. don't have,
0: don't have the time. Yeah, <laughs> like,
1: people are like, "Oh, well, well." Rockstar
0: says that the, the the without doing any side missions, the main story is about forty to sixty hours, and it's like <laughs> it's not happening. I can only really play games in like like at most like a single hour burst of time. Right. I don't have sixty of those across a year. Right. Um. <clears throat> but yeah, brittle so, of it though. Oh sure. yeah, it's totally a brick game. Yeah. Um, Other than that, uh, I've I've kind of slacked on, um, it's normally my bag to start pulling the official Oscar press, but if you haven't been paying attention, all of the submissions for foreign language are in, and there's a list of them. It includes uh, Koron's Roma. Roma. It's Um, the best picture nom favorite at the moment. Yeah, and um, the entry from South Korea, Burning, is getting a lot of festival Starring, press. Starring uh, Daniel,
1: um, the guy from Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name now. Shit.
0: Uh, Mike uh, Stephen Young. Yes. Um. And there's another uh, Denmark's entry is on Amazon Prime, I think, right now. The Guilty. Uh, yeah, I've heard of that. Um, it's supposed to be really good. Uh, but so that, those submissions are officially in. You can look at them on the Oscar website. Um, and also... We'll a link up all the show notes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then also, the, the, I always get excited about it because it means that like foreign language is foreign language. Those are really hard to find and watch before the Oscars. Right. Um, but it really starts for me. The, uh, the, the, the 25 submissions for animated feature oh, right. are now in. Oh, Nice. And I always get, get excited, but there's nothing surprising in it ever.
1: No. It's pretty <laughs> much every animated movie that came out. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Every big animated movie, including ones you haven't heard of that like, weren't released in the States right. for longer than the week that they needed to. Um, and at this point, they don't even have to have been released in the States yet. They just need to fulfill it by the time the nominations are announced in January.
1: Right. Man, I'm excited. On Thanksgiving, I think we're going to go see Ralph Breaks the Internet. <sighs> so excited. Regular Ralph 1 was so good. It was so good. Underrated. So
0: good. I think, I don't think that, that anyone is in a position to even scare Pixar. Incredibles 2 is just such a strong entry. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm always excited to see, because we always get the the blockbuster animated, the Pixar. And the Kubo. The, the DreamWorks, <laughs> the Foreign, and then the Kubo. Yeah. And I want to know who the Kubo is this year. And looking at the list, I think I only highlighted like five movies that I've heard of. Oh, nice. And the other 20 are like, I don't fucking know. There's right. one, they like called it a new car. <laughs> I looked it up and I was like, no, it's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, whatever the Kubo or Loving Vincent is always interesting. Yeah, it is. Uh, that's it for Breezy for me unless you got something. I got nothing, man. Cool. I'm
1: excited about foreign films and animated movies though. I didn't realize that time was upon us already. I know. Neither did I. Yeah.
0: And then I just like on a lark went and looked uh, about a week and a half ago and they had just been put out, the foreign language had just been put out that day. Nice. Right. It's like I knew my spidey sense was tingling.
1: Um. So what we got this week for uh, theater recommendations. Uh, Burning is expanding. Oh, sweet. Um. So that's out. That's on your list. Boy Erased is also expanding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can be excited about that.
0: I got a trailer for that and it doesn't,
1: it's uh, Edgerton, right? Yeah, wrote and directed. Yeah,
0: yeah. Lucas Hedges plays the. I've boy. heard great things about him.
1: Yeah, with regards to him behind the camera, so we'll see. A movie I know, me and you hate from the trailers alone. Doctor Seuss's The Grinch is coming out this weekend. So Not that's at the bottom of my list. That.
0: I actually don't know if that got selected for animated. Good. Thinking back about the list, good. Um, I, I want to confirm that before I start talking shit about it. There sure. was there was some rumors that. That, uh, that Nintendo was going to put the Grinch in uh, <laughs> in the new Super Smash Brothers. There was like a nefarious rumor. It was a leak on 4chan that someone apparently said. They're like, oh, the Grinch is a playable character. <laughs> but it turned out to be fake.
1: Good. Yes. Uh, Overlord is a movie coming out. It's, it's a World War II J.J. Abrams produced one, right? Yeah, directed by Julius Avery. World War II zombie horror. And... Uh,
0: I finally saw a full trailer for that. It looks crazy.
1: The new Dragon Tattoo Story. The oh. Girl in the Spider's Web is coming out this weekend. So we got some picks. I'm going to go with a... Uh, I'm a big Steven Young fan. Me too. I couldn't remember his name a little while. And uh, it's on the foreign film shortlist. Good enough for me, right? Not shortlist, but yeah. official sub short Shortlist being 206 <laughs> or <around> however <laughs> many countries. Yeah. Well, there's only 89 this year. Because
0: last year was the most with 92. This year had 91, but two countries got disqualified. I don't know how that happens, but... uh, So it's 89. But So that is as short
1: of a list as you will ever see in that category. So I'm going to recommend Burning. Uh, It's expanding. You might have trouble finding it, but it's shown somewhere in your state. Yeah. Um, It officially...
0: It came out in limited release last weekend. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Dragon Tattoo. I think Claire Foy is having her fucking year. The Claire foy Yeah. It's... I mean, The Crown Season 2, Unsane, Spider's Web... First man, first man. Yeah, like she's just electric, and this movie is just written for, uh, you know, a a prickly ingenue like her.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. I've never read any of those or seen any of those movies, and it's you know, it's not like Godfather bad, but I was trying to see if, uh, the director. What else he's done? Oh, he did. Don't breathe. Yeah. Okay. I mean I think this oh, is yeah. Attack of the Panico we talked about this before that, yeah. that's a that's a fun little short film if anybody wants to go find it might put it in the short note the show notes too um but cool so go check out Girl on the Spiderweb or Burning, Burning. yeah and uh I think that's it that's it <laughs> I thought you were meant to just stop the recording without the outro no I was <laughs> <pulling> <laughs>
0: this up, making, making so sure it. it's still recording yeah
1: that would be fun Take us up.
0: Sure. So, this has been Talkie Talk, the podcast from mediabios.com. You can find us at themediabios.com or on Facebook for at our groups, TV bias, games bias, movies bias. You can contact us at themediabios at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at themediabios. I'm not going to make that tweet tweet noise that Brett makes. TJ will do it now. Do <laughs> Um You can find us uh, not on Instagram, but you can. Give us a rating on your favorite pod-snatching app. We would really appreciate, you know, as much as we try and strong-arm you into five-star ratings, just give us what you think we deserve, which is five stars. Um, special thanks to the intro from the Willow Walkers.
1: Thank you, Willow Walkers.
0: And they've got a new single out. You can check their Facebook page for that. Spotify, too. And Spotify. Um, and special thanks to Burifa for the outro. Burifa. And they have a new album coming out. Details soon about that. Um, and that's been Talk Talk. Thanks, TJ. Thanks, Chris. Bye.